everyone, welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 14. You got Brian and Chris, and we're going to talk about shotguns today. Oh my god! I just peed my pants! <laughs> you have no, cl- no idea how close you just came to dying because somebody just racked a shotgun and you could hear it. And even worse, it was a short barrel TAC-14 death-dealing mutant ninja shotgun. Um, yeah, that, uh, that kind of, don't want to say that sums up tactical shotguns, but <laughs> I think that, that sums up a lot of the misconceptions of tactical shotguns and the use of shotguns for home defense. Yeah, um, I, may, I may have to run to the restroom. I think I just peed myself a little bit when I heard that sound. So, yeah, so... We just did a shotgun night Monday night, and we just played around with shotguns and practiced doing things with shotguns that we don't normally do. And I think we came to the conclusion that the shotgun's obviously a viable tool. It's out there in huge numbers. Um, It's a great close-in weapon. Uh, It has some versatility, but lowdy, does it require some skills, some practice, some upkeep, some persistence. Um, and a little bit of brain processing power to make it work. Uh, a lot of brain po- yeah, processing so power. A lot of work. brain processing power. Um, so we started off with the noise. Um, please, dear God in heaven, correct your friends when they say, well, I'm just going to get a shotgun because when you rack it, every bad guy in the world knows that sound. Um, please don't let them think that. Um, it's if, just not true. If so. anything, now they know where you are. Yeah, something to shoot at. We're pretty good at auditorially finding where things are at. That's why your ears are on both sides of your head for most of you. So, cool. Um, shotguns. We learned some stuff. We relearned some stuff. We practiced some stuff. Um, they, we did it, as I said earlier, we did a shotgun night on Monday night. We went out and ran some drills with them. Uh, did some select slug load. Uh, had some guys uh, that, that really hadn't done a lot with the shotgun and work through figuring out how to do things like a keep the gun loaded Um, shotguns eat a lot of bullets and they don't hold very many bullets actually it's more that they don't hold very many bullets and they're slow to load generally Um, you see these competition guys doing quad loads and stuff like that that's cool and if you can get that good get that good Um, but it's a lot of time practicing getting there so we, we practiced keeping the gun up and running, doing things like rolling thunder. We did a rolling thunder just to show everybody, hey, you got to feed it, and that's, that can be some time. Um, we, we did some movement drills and did some select slug drills and figured out, hey, this takes time too, and, and brain power and whatnot. Um, and we learned that, you know, gosh golly, this thing is not just something you pick up and run around with and think you know what you're doing. It, it'll, it'll humble you really, really quickly. Um, but again, great close range defensive tool. Um, you know, great versatility, um, still not our favorite choice, but something we got into a little bit. So we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, we did our training night, um, primarily as like a battlefield pickup night. Yeah. Um, just because there are shotguns everywhere. Um, our estimate is Remington's made something like 50 million in the 870s since the 870 was introduced. Yeah. Um, in the event that the world would come to an end. There's a pretty good chance you're going to find a shotgun over an AR or an AK or whatever, you know, Acme Deathmaster 9000 yep. you are hoping to find. Um, and that's why it is important to have at least a basic familiarity with the shotgun. Uh, I personally love shotguns. I use them to shoot little flying uh, orange discs 
on <laughs> great frequency yeah and in large volumes uh, which is actually a really good rifle training kind of drill uh, as far as an up drill because we're working on a moving target and having to do some decision making um, on the fly literally and getting the gun to your shoulder quick and making things happen um, but as far as you know shotguns for defensive use um, we're going to run through some things we think you should consider um, both on the gun side and then get into some of the skills that are really needed to make the gun run yeah, um, efficiently and effectively. So let's talk about the hardware. Let's talk about the guns first. Um, most of the guns on the line were Remington 870s. Um, we did have a couple of auto loaders on the line as well. Um, you know, in, in, as a general rule of thumb, if you're right-handed, uh, the Remington 870 kind of reigns supreme. Uh, simply because it's just a very reliable, robust gun. Um, I'll take the last two or three years of production out of that conversation with Remington. Um, if you're going to buy a new Remington 870, make sure you take a look over the gun real quick and make sure everything's lined up and seems to be in good working order. Um, but the Remington 870s are, are, are just a really solid choice. And the primary reason for that, beyond the fact that they, they're, they, they're built well and they work, is that if you do get a malfunction with an 870, you generally just rack it harder or you bounce the buttstock off the ground uh, or a hard surface with the muzzle pointed in a safe direction, and that will generally clear most malfunctions with an 870. Um, with a Mossberg 500 590 series gun, not so much. Um, if you get things kind of hung up or get that double feed going on, um, you, you probably are going to need to transition to a second weapon um, or, or find a competent armorer nearby you in the gunfight. Um, the Mossbergs can be a little tweaky once things go south. Uh, it's time to probably discard the gun and move on. Um, with some of the autos out there, uh, the guys running autos in our group, uh, we're running uh, entry-level to mid-range autos. We really didn't have any of the true tactical, um, you know, Benelli M2s, M4s, uh, any of the higher-end Beretta tactical guns or anything like that. Um, and, and so we really didn't see issues with the guns so much as ammo selection. Uh, one of the guns needed 1,500 foot per second, one-ounce heavy loads um, to function. Um, not fun to train with, uh, but, you know, that's part of the game if you choose that gun. You know, and the reality is some of the expensive guns, they need to have real ammo run through them or they're just not going to work. Um, one of our guys had a, it was Mossberg 930? Yeah. Yeah, semi-auto gun. Uh, ran like a champ. Um, select slug conversations we'll get to with that with some of the autos, uh, some options about how you make those things work with the autos. But that was something we all had to kind of figure out a little bit because I don't run autos, so I didn't know. Um, but yeah, you know, they're, you know, the, the pump action, the, the myth of the uber reliability of the pump action shotgun is kind of like the myth of the uber reliability of the revolver that they never fail. It's not true. So you'll need to learn that too. And that's something we'll talk about later as well from a malfunction perspective. Um, but that, that was what was on the line and that's what we were playing with. And, and so there are some good choices there, however you choose to go. Uh, but don't get caught up in the idea that the pump is infallible and the semi-auto is going to fail you every time because it's just mm -hmm. not true. Yeah, a well-maintained shotgun um, tends to be very reliable. A not-so-well-maintained shotgun, whether it's a semi-auto or a pump, um, is another story. We had an, another shotgun training night, and this goes back about three, four years, um, where it was ambient temperature was somewhere between 5 and 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, it was kind of windy. There was snow all over the ground. And we ran guns hard, which got them hot and got them cold. And we got them hot. And we got them cold and then they froze yeah uh, especially the guys that hadn't cleaned their shotguns recently or ever uh, all that carbon on the bolt and in the inside of the receiver 
Um, shotguns are large board weapons. There's lots of places for carbon and things to collect. Um, just attracts moisture. That moisture then crystallizes and freezes. And then your, you know, infinitely reliable um, 870 doesn't work anymore. Yeah, you have a lot of large contact uh, surface areas where there's, you know, metal to metal touching. And when they freeze up, they tend to freeze up really hard. So, yeah. Yeah, we had, I think we had four of seven guns literally freeze and become non-functional that night. Mine included, which was an 870. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, using, you know, Slip 2000, keeping gun, shotguns relatively clean, uh, doing, you know, proper maintenance on them. You know, not, not to the extent you need to treat them like a 1911, but treat them, you know, kind of more like a Glock, um, and things will run and continue to run um, quite well. True, true, true. So um, that was uh, just a brief overview of, you know, shotgun choice. There's too many choices to go deep into the weeds um, on that topic. Um, want to talk about, I'm going to, we save software for last and talk about ammo selection sure. real quick. Yeah. Um, something we really didn't get into was ammo selection. Um, when you start talking about shotguns, everybody has to, again, we're back to the mythology of the shotgun. You simply point it down the hallway and it destroys everything down the hallway. Um, generally with a shotgun out to somewhere between 15 and 20 yards, you're going to get about one inch of lateral dispersion per 10 inches of linear travel of shot pattern. Um, so if we say the bore feet, of the gun, 10 feet of linear travel. I'm sorry, 10 feet of linear travel. I don't know what I just said, but I'll, I'll take Six, the correction. 10 inches. Yeah, 10 inches. That's that's no, no, but no, that's no. That's like a judge that's with the disc. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you're going to get about one inch of, of lateral shot pattern dispersion for about 10 feet um, of, of shot travel. Um, if you start off with an inch bore at 30 feet, you've got, or yeah, 30 feet, you've got, or 10 yards, you've got about three to four inches of pattern spread. Um, it, 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 you do have to aim the daggone thing. The mythology is just pointing it down the hallway and pulling the trigger and it's going to take out all the bad guys. Um, is, is, is a really, really bad myth. Um, shotgun pellets in general are round-ish. Um, as they travel, they will start to veer off their flight path due to their spherical nature and how they interact with the atmosphere around them. Um, and that's why you see a 30 yard, 30 inch pattern for say a bird hunting shotgun or something like that with a much longer bore than a defensive gun. Um, but you know, out to 15, 20 yards, you're not getting the fill the hallway pattern. And then the problem with that is when you do get out to the fill the hallway pattern density, you're not putting enough rounds on target. And some of those targets, some of those rounds are missing um, the target and potentially hitting other things beyond it. So, um, you know, bear those things in mind. When we start looking at ammo, if you're at a distance, uh, use a slug. Um, you can choose to do a select slug load or you can load the gun with slugs and hit point targets very, very effectively and very, very aggressively with a ton of energy. Um, you can also choose to use things like buckshot and number four shot and things like that that are made by some of the higher end companies like Federal does their flight control wad system and give yourself incredibly tight patterns with those loads as well. But you need to pattern the gun, which is something we didn't do based on time constraints and the nature of the training that we were trying to do, again, wasn't going that far into the weeds um, on, on that particular topic. So we chose to just go ahead and run the guns, um, you know, with birdshot on steel uh, and, and, and have some fun there. So, um, but yeah, from an ammo selection conversation, I'm not even going to get into the buckshot versus number four shot versus whatever else versus lightweight shot, other than to say, if, if you're going to use it for defensive purposes, buy a defensive load, not a bunny hunting or clay bird busting load. Yeah, I mean, that, that the, the opportunity to run, you know, double lot or number four really gets into the devastating nature of the shotgun at close range. 
uh, with double lot we're shooting either eight or nine pellets you know that are 30 caliber in diameter um, down the barrel every time we pull the trigger yeah at speeds of like at velocities from like 13 to 1600 feet per second um, even is, even low velocity low recoil double lot buck loads um, they're not just downloaded to eight or nine rounds they're still going 1300 feet per second generally and if it's a hot double lot buck load like a military double lot buck load it can be 1500 1600 feet per second that's like getting shot with a 357 magnum eight or nine times all at once or dumping an entire glock 43 into somebody yeah. with one trigger pull yeah, yeah. Uh, we've heard um, one of our friends had taken Tom Gibbons Rainmaster range master um, shotgun the big course uh, a year or two ago and was saying that um, running eight pellet over nine you don't get that ninth round that ninth pellet flyer with yeah. the eight uh, also why you know having the flight control wad from federal becomes really important um, you are responsible for every pellet that leaves your shotgun yeah yeah and knowing the distance at which you can util you can effectively utilize buckshot or number four shot um, and keep all those pellets on the target or understanding that you have, have to be absolutely sure that your background you know beyond that target target foreground and background right you've got to know that it's going to stop or not hit something else you don't want to destroy so that's kind of a big deal and that may be where you choose to transition to that slug load um, talking about slugs you know different slugs shoot different you know different guns like different ammo in some cases it's like any other any other firearm um, looking at slugs, you know, find one that your gun likes that shoots consistently and accurately, but also be aware with that ammo selection that it's going to shoot, likely shoot through the target and what's behind the target and what's behind that. Um, you know, one ounce slugs going 13 to 1500 feet per second don't stop very easily. Um, you know, so we have a good friend of ours who likes to point out that, you know, anything that misses or goes through the target is probably going to hit her a nun or an orphan. Um, we have another friend who adds in, or maybe a pedophile, you might get lucky. Um, but either way, so be aware of those things. I don't have anything else to add on ammo selection. Okay, I and think that, that kind of sums up ammo. Cool. Um, as far as you know, keeping ammo in the gun and on the gun, uh, running either a hard-mounted side saddle or one of the HSGI Velcro-mounted side saddles uh -huh. is probably a really good idea from a defensive standpoint. Um, you know, with the the sport of three gun. Uh, matches are won and lost in loading the shotgun. Um, if you watch, you know, the top three gunners, it's like their Formula One teams practicing pit stops. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to how they, they keep their shotguns fed and loaded. And if you see pictures of them in matches, they are festooned in all these really tricked out shotgun speed loading devices that I think would become a great big problem the first time you bumped into something hard or drop in the mud yeah or just or just, just got on the ground prone period like actually try to use in a, a realistic you know kind of combat environment um, having you know with the hsgi velcro mounted panel in particular um, gives you the opportunity to put those into um, ar size mag carriers like a hsgi taco um, or you know you can velcro it right onto you know a piece of gear a go bag um, or whatnot, yeah. it gives you ammo with the gun. Um, and being Velcroed, if you use up the one that's on the gun, you can take the other one and slap it right in its place. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the, one of the comments um, shared from a training opportunity and, and I think from you know just life study in general with a shotgun, um, 
the, the shotgun is you're going to use the ammo in and on the shotgun. And when you're done with that ammo, you're likely not going to go somewhere else to retrieve more ammo and make it happen with the gun. So whatever you can do to, in a reliable and functional manner, get more rounds on the gun is probably going to be a positive thing for you if you actually need to use it at some point. Um, but, you know, there was a recent shootout, I think, in Baltimore. A uh, gentleman was on a transit bus and had two handguns and was dual wielded and going after it. One of the police officers that responded grabbed an 870 out of the trunk of the cruiser, um, proceeded to put four rounds of birdshot into the bus. Um, and when the gun ran dry, he simply dropped it on the ground and went on because at that point it was a fairly heavy stick that was useless. And that's kind of how you have to look at it. If you're out of bullets for it, then let's move on. So, yeah. Yeah. Software? Slings. Slings, rock and roll. Um, I did not run a sling in this training session. Um, there are a couple different techniques uh, that you can use with the shotgun if you are not running a sling with the weapon. Um, I, I do not advise uh, running any gun without a sling or, or manner in which to store it on your person safely while you're not using it. Um, but in the case of a shotgun, there are definitely some different ways you can, you can orient the gun, muzzle up or muzzle down once you're done using it. Um, be aware that a couple of those methodologies, if the gun's hot, can cause burns on your arm. Don't worry, you'll like it. Um, in general, though, if you're running a shotgun like a rifle, you should have a sling so that if you do need to transition, you can safely do so um, and keep the gun accounted for. Um, so slings in general, uh, you know, we run the Blue Force gear slings here, one of the ones that we recommend, and the shotguns can be set up appropriately with the Blue Force gear slings. It gives you some adjustability for how tight the gun is on you. Um, on a shotgun, the idea of doing a cross-shoulder transition with the sling on you by letting out extra sling material with the Blue Force gear is probably not going to happen. You're probably going to choke yourself out. Might be good practice for your next MMA match. Um, but other than that, generally ill-advised. Um, but having a good sling on the gun makes life so much better um at the end of the day so yeah. like anything else doing um slings on shotguns without like the mag pull um shotgun furniture on there so you can run you know qd sockets either <clears throat> directly into the stock or into the m-lock slots in the forehand yep um, you may need to get get the drill out Drill some holes, put some shotgun or some magpul like QD inserts into places with epoxy. Yes, indeed. Um, potentially screw on like a you, know, you could take if you got a you know wooden forend, you can drill a couple holes, drill in or screw in the uh, magpul you know the the QD M-lock socket on the forend. Yep. Um, shotguns are one of those things. If you don't have kind of the right tactical hardware on there. Um, you got to get a little creative when it comes to mounting slings. Absolutely. Um, the good news is on the shotgun, um, unlike a rifle, especially something that's free-floated and accurized on the shotgun, um, you know, there are options that aren't going to screw up your point of aim, point of impact if you go a little little redneck on your mounting system. So, um, But there are lots of good options out there that are aftermarket compatible with quality guns to make those guns accept a sling in a fashion that's that's not going to impede your usage of the gun whether you're shooting it or whether you're letting it hang from you while you shoot something else so you know that's definitely a conversation where case the gun up bring it by and we'll take a look at it on a gun by gun basis and get you squared away because we have a lot of that stuff here so definitely a conversation there yeah i would say kind of lights go the same way yes uh, for a defensive shotgun very important to have a light mounted to it yeah um that light most likely needs to go onto the forehand uh -huh. um Again, you know, if you don't have a way to get either a Picatinny rail or some kind of light mount on there, 
Um, you may need to get creative. Um, yeah. This is kind of a you know a good reason to consider getting one of the Magpul forums, especially. Absolutely, yeah. The Magpul forums about a thirty dollar or thirty five dollar investment. Um, you throw a piece of pick rail on there or one of their cantilever mounts that gets that keeps the foreign clean so you can still run it. Um, and then today's lights, everything's LED, so everything is very, very, very shock resistant and very durable. Um, you know, the days of old when things were regular incandescent bulbs on a shotgun, it sucked because if you turn the light on for any amount of time and shot the gun, especially with anything heavy recoiling, you had a good chance of popping the bulb. Um, nowadays, most of our LED lights that are out there, um, even the less expensive stuff on the market, will tolerate shotgun recoil. Um, at least the LED will. Um, if you buy a little better light, the guts, the switching, the internals um, of the light will tolerate shotgun recoil pretty much indefinitely. Um, and they slap right onto a Magpul forend. So instead of having to go to Surefire and buying a $600 shotgun forend um, with an LED system and built-in switching and stuff like that, you can put it right on the gun and make it pretty easy to use. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be a super expensive proposition to make your shotgun light friendly and a little more functional or mm. a lot more functional as it were. Uh, and then going from lights, we'll go into sights. Uh, I personally just like a bead on the front. Uh, I find that even in low light situations with the light mounted on the forend, uh, I'm pushing that light into the front sight so I can see the front sight. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of tactical shotguns are coming with ghost ring sights or with Picatinny for um, mounting, you know, a red dot or some kind of like micro red dot yeah. type system. Um, definitely viable options there. Absolutely. One of the things we ran into um, this training session, one of the gentlemen showed up with an auto with a rail on top um, and had a an optic that was really probably more of an AR height optic, but it really wasn't a true AR height mount. It was just a slightly elevated mount. Um, shotgun stocks generally have drop to them, um, meaning that your cheek sits a little bit lower to line your eye up with the top of the gun, not like an AR where you've got two and a half inches of offset between the bore line and the, and the optic line. Um, so when you start putting optics on shotguns, they tend to need to be mounted very, very low. Uh, this would be a great application for something like a Trigicon RMR. Um, an Aimpoint T1, T2, um, some of the optics Delta that you point. can, yeah, that you can get extremely low to the gun. Um, those are, you know, that's kind of what you're looking for on the shotgun so that you're not running chin weld instead of cheek weld or having your head floating above the stock. And you, the, the other thing with the shotgun, with an AR, if your optics mounted improperly and you don't get good cheek weld, um, it, it's, it, it's not optimal, but it, you can make it work. What the problem with the shotgun is you need that fourth point of contact to help mitigate recoil. Generally, if you don't start with the gun touching your cheek, it's going to find it one way or the other. And I would rather, based on Newtonian physics, have it mounted firmly against my cheek and unable to move rather than able to smack me in it every time. So bear those things in mind as you're mounting optics. Um, I will throw a nod out to iron sights, to legit rifle sights on a shotgun from a perspective of being able to run slugs and being able to know where your gun patterns. Um, but I will say that in general, they slow most people down. Um, have a little bit of faith in the bead and the shot's probably gonna go where you want it to go. If you do need to switch over to shot, especially a controlled pattern shot uh, where you need to really meticulously place that pattern on a target um, or a slug, knowing your gun, going out and practice with it and knowing what that sight picture looks like will get you a long way toward getting, you know, where you would be with iron sights. Um, you know, but you can make both work. I just see most people have a real hard time forgetting that there's a rear sight and just running it with birdshot and going on. 
um, and then when they need the rear sight using it. So, you know, that's, that's going to be a personal thing or a training thing. Oh my gosh, imagine that. You're going to have to get out and shoot your toy. Um, but yeah, you know, learn, learn your gun, however it's set up or set it up to make it do what you want it to do and then go learn it anyway. Yeah, shotguns, another one of those optics from a recoil standpoint, I would put a real optic. Yeah. If you're going to run an optic on it, um, you know, we're talking a considerable amount of recoil, uh, especially on a pump gun. Yep. Um, because there isn't a gas system or an inertial system to deal with some of that energy. Yep. Um, just, you know, thinking like, oh, I can just run a, you know, Walmart grade optic. Well, you're probably going to have yeah. Walmart grade life. Yeah, it's probably not going to last you. Well, it's probably made out of Chinesium. There you so, go. Yep. Cool. Uh, software? I, if, yeah, software for sure. Um, I, go out and train with these things. Go go to the range, pick them up. Um, buy some dummy shotgun shells. And just like you do your dry fire with your handgun and different things of that nature or your, or your manipulation loading you do with your AR with dry fire and stuff like that, get some dummy rounds with a shotgun and practice loading the thing. Get some dummy rounds. Practice doing the select slug load process for your gun. Um, you know, for an 870, we had a few guys that hadn't done it, and we showed them how to do a, a, a select slug with the 870, which really, it's a lot of steps, but it's not difficult to do necessarily. It does require some processing space um, if you haven't done it before when you're in the middle of a drill. Um, if you have a, a gun that maybe has a differential methodology for doing that, some of the newer tactical shotguns have feed interrupt buttons that make doing a select slug load just easy peasy breezy super fast. Uh, we have a, a, a Beretta 1301 in the shop that I just, I, I, I love every time I pick that gun up because I really love the way you do a select slug with it. It's fast, smooth, and easy. You just like it because it's lightweight. It is. It's lightweight too, and I'm not. So I like things that weigh less than me, which is almost everything. Um, if you have an auto that does not have a feed interrupt device like that, then the trick may be to load the tube of the gun up all the way, chamber around, safe the weapon, and then if you need a slug, shove it into the tube and rack the action because it'll be the first one that goes into the chamber. Hmm. Um, you know, we had some guys who their guns really just didn't seem to be amenable to that. Um, you know, maybe there's a better way. Do some research on your specific weapon system to see if that works or not. But there are some generic fixes for those kind of things too. Even with a pump gun, if you download the gun, you can shove a round into the tube and you can get it in the chamber as your select slug. The problem is, is you're downloading a gun that doesn't hold very many rounds to begin with. Um, but if that's what's optimal, that may be what's optimal. And you're going to have to figure out your weapon system and train to that and practice. Um, and oh Lord, do you have to practice? So, um, I used to run a shotgun a lot. I, I do like the shotgun as a defensive tool. Um, not as well as some other options, but I've always fancied myself fairly skilled with the gun. And there were a couple times where I went full potato running the gun going, huh, hadn't done this in a while. Huh? It's incredibly obvious. So, you know, practice with it enough that if you need to pick one up, you can. So Yeah, as far as uh, recommended training classes for a shotgun, um, Tom Givens in Rangemaster yep. um, teaches a phenomenal one. Um, Steve Fisher with Sentinel Concepts yes. has a great shotgun training class. Um, yeah, you know, I, I got to be honest that, with you. That's kind of our short list for yeah, shotguns. That's, yeah, there, there are some, you know, the shoddy has definitely fallen by the wayside. Um, there are some guys who love it and can, and can run one, but to find somebody who can teach you to run one's a little bit different beast, so be aware of that. Um, but so yeah. if you can find you know, maybe YouTube or DVDs floating around somewhere, um, Lewis Auerbach yes. uh, is kind of the, the quintessential yes. old school shotgun instructor yep. um, on the tactical side. Um, beyond that, you know, it really does take practice 
Um, a lot of it you can do dry fire with training, you know, training shells. Um, investing in metal ones is probably a good idea. Yep. Because extra shotgun extractors can be fairly violent. Yeah, abusive. Um, on you know extracting shells and things from your gun. Um, let's see, should we talk about like cruiser ready and non-floating firing pins? Yeah, um, safety concerns with shotguns. In generally, sh in general, shotguns aren't terribly drop safe. Um, you know, if, if you're out in the field and you lean up against the fence post to climb over the fence and it falls over um, and shoots you, that would suck. Uh, it's probably not real likely to happen. But if you're on concrete or, or in the world where things aren't soft on the ground um, or you're in a vehicle and you're in a, an automobile accident, because maybe that's how your gunfight starts, or you're a police officer who has to pit somebody or maybe use even more force to stop another vehicle, um, keeping the shotgun in what is referred to by law enforcement as cruiser ready or the military is condition three, meaning chamber empty um, but magazine tube fully loaded, um, generally will give you a situation where you're not going to have the firing pin interface with the primer of a round because there's not one in the chamber. Um, and that also leads a little bit into, yeah, just grab the shotgun, rack around, and it scares everybody off. Um, don't rely on that, um, but you'll pick the shotgun up, rack around, it'll be ready to go. If you have a spare round on the gun, top it off. Um, if you grab the shotgun and the target's more than 50 yards away, maybe you start by, you know, doing your select slug. Um, but that, you know, cruiser ready, that, that chamber empty, magazine tube fully loaded, is, is the safest way to convey a shotgun around the world that's not in your hands ready to be used immediately. Um, you know, and if you're newer with the shotgun, maybe until you've identified, positively identified a threat, maybe you even want to carry it physically in that condition until you positive, positively identified a threat, um, that's up to you. But, uh, you know, definitely it, not drop safe like the majority of handguns. More drop safe like the original Safe P320s. <laughs> Uh, I would I would add to that too the uh, shotgun or Remington 870s and most of the tactical shotguns tend to run cross bolt safeties. They are definitely not as lefty friendly, fast and intuitive as like an AR selector switch. Yep, um, they're definitely not lefty friendly. Uh, if you're a lefty going to a Mossberg uh, system, especially a 590 going to their military grade system, um, the 500's a solid gun. It's it's a reliable gun. It's a great hunting gun but it's nowhere near as the robust 590. Uh, the 590 is just a monster. Um, also be aware that there are different grades of 590s. There are 590s with plastic trigger guards, plastic safeties, plastic sights and stuff like that. Um, you really wanna look for those four or five models that are all steel guns, steel receivers, um, steel safeties and things of that nature in the 590 or, or you know, you'll, you're potentially gonna break stuff. So yeah. yeah, same can be said for the 870. Um, the tacticals have a lot of metal in places where the non-tactical guns like the Expresses don't. So, you know, look for that tactical gun. I know it's, it's, it's a, one of those words that's like kind of makes you cringe, but the tactical version of the 870 is a better built gun in that regard. Yeah, and I think maybe we close on how, how do you, what are you keeping in the tube um, for defensive use? Yeah, um, you know, for, for me, I, I, the shotgun's kind of been relegated to a gun that sits in the safe. Um, it's really not the closet gun for me anymore. Um, when it was, I used number four buck um, as, as kind of the inside the house shotgun load. Um, I'm in a position now where I have too many freaking kids inside the house really to be pushing. Um, even four buck penetrates really, really well through intermediate barriers like drywall and things of that nature. Um, so I've gotten away from the shotgun, but I know there, you know, historically there are a lot of police agencies and tactical teams and stuff like that that have chosen to use four buck because there's enough mass in the shot, there's enough pellets in the shot, um, and, 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 and some mitigated over penetration 
in, in to some extent, um, you know, for like tactical entry teams and stuff like that, they're looking at some of those patterns. So um, definitely something to consider. Yeah, I think the, the big thing that we would recommend is to run only, you know, shot in the in the tube, um, thinking that you're going to run, a, you know, a shot load, a slug, a shot load, a slug really sets you up for trouble. Yeah, because you're never going to have the right one where you need it. So, you know, yeah. if it's going to be that up close shot and, you know, and everybody's like, oh, well, the slug will still get the job done. Eh, it'll get the job done and a whole bunch of extra stuff done you don't want done. So bear that in mind. Yeah. So, yeah, shotguns, we like them. We hate them. Yeah. <laughs> we like to hate them. So, yeah. They're they're everywhere. Know how to use them. Um, definitely take some time. Decent training. Don't think the the sound will scare everyone away. Ah! We're all going to die. Ah! Uh, yeah, the, this is Chris and Brian, episode 14. We're done. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time.